What is the purpose of religion? Think about it, really. Why are you here? Why are you giving up an hour of a Sunday morning? You could be having brunch. You could be headed up towards the mountains. You could have well been in the mountains and stayed for a couple of days. You could be traveling somewhere that you'd like to be. I could do the same. Why do I give up Sundays? Why are we even here? Well, the letter of St. James gives us two glimpses. First, he says, all good giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no alteration or shadow caused by change. Whatever is good, whatever is beneficial to man is a gift from God, whose nature is eternal and unchanging, and therefore so too is his love for mankind. It is eternal and it is unchanging. And the function of religion, true religion, is to remind us of our infinite worth to a loving God. That's why we're here to be reminded of how much our God loves us. St. James then says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to take care of orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. True religion can never be reduced to a set of rules or rituals used in worship or a set of doctrines or beliefs. Now, religion will certainly have those things, but more essential to religion is entering more deeply over the course of an entire lifetime into a relationship with God who is the source of all good, of all blessings, and through that relationship with God, sharing his gifts with others, most specifically, the most defenseless among us, the most in need, starting first and foremost in our families, in our parishes, with our friends, our neighbors, those in the towns, the communities that we live in, our nation, our world. Because man is religious, he is also a social being designed to live in community with others. Man, then, is most authentically human to that degree he's in a relationship with God and through God in a relationship with others. The struggle of the religious person is not in the adherence to external rituals, laws, and rules, but to use his or her relationship with the Lord to combat the moral evils that lurk within him or her, that always seek to be expressed. The always present danger the religious person has to face is allowing the illusion that mere religious observance, the mere externals of religion, can be a substitute for the hard work of interior conversion, of the inner spiritual combat that we're all called to. This distortion of religion is inevitable. 
when creatures with free will vainly try to form God according to our image instead of allowing God to transform us according to his image. Religion is always perverted when blind creatures insist on dictating terms to the Father of Lights. We get a glimpse of this in our reading from Mark's Gospel. The Pharisees and the scribes had confronted Jesus because his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is, what? Unwashed hands. Now, this incident took place shortly after the miraculous feeding of 5,000 people, after which Jesus and his disciples went to an area called Gennesaret, a predominantly Gentile, non-Jewish, pagan territory. The Pharisees and scribes came from where? All, who said Jerusalem? Very good. You listened. All right. You don't have to put anything in the collection plate. They came from Jerusalem. These are the religious elites. Now, this is an interesting note because this, the Pharisees had a policy to have as little contact as possible with non-Jews, with Gentiles. There were only two groups of people, Jews, the saved, the non-saved, the Gentiles. And the Pharisees would have no contact or as little contact as possible with the non-Jew. They saw this as necessary to maintain ritual purity. They saw this separation as a hallmark of true Jewish identity, and Jews who did not live up to the standard were often seen as less Jewish, even as sinners outside of God's love. So there they were, the religious elite from Jerusalem in pagan territory, judging the Jewish disciples of a Jewish rabbi for not following the Jewish purification rites before eating a meal. Now, it's very important to stress here that nowhere in the New Testament does Jesus reject the ritual purification customs that had become such an important part of Jewish identity and life. In all likelihood, Jesus was a member of the Pharisaical religious-slash-political branch of the Judaism of his time and probably observed all the ritual purification laws, seeing in them a great benefit when the external actions are in alignment with interior intentions to honor God, to be reminded of God's presence, and to serve God by serving others. But if done mindlessly as habits divorced from their true meaning as expressions of God's love for us, our love for him, and the moral duties that we have to him and to others, then they become mere external actions disconnected from the interior life of the soul. They reduce us, as Jesus says, quoting the prophet Isaiah, to honoring God with only their lips, not their hearts. Religion, then, becomes hypocritical. Even worse, 
when the non-observance of religious rituals by others as, is used to judge them as outside of God's love, the sin of pride is taken over. And once that sin is allowed to be burst, a whole slew of evil foulness can come gushing out from within us under the guise of religion. You can hate somebody who is of a different religion because they don't follow the true religion. You can justify virtually anything. This is the perpetually dark side of religion. Let me give two funny examples. Late one winter evening, I had uh, raced from the hospital to celebrate the evening mass, and I was getting quite late. So I bolted into the sacristy, I turned on all the lights, got everything out and ready to go, threw on my vestments, and walked into the sanctuary to begin the Mass. Normally I like to be there early so I can say a few prayers, just get myself ready to celebrate the Divine Liturgy. But not that evening. And so I'm out there and I forgot something. I forgot to light the altar candles. Ooh. I'm at the altar. I'm saying, I'm not even aware that I forgot to light the candles. Well, when the Mass ended, some of the religious purists came to talk to me, quite upset. The Mass, they said, was invalid because I did not light the altar candles. One said she was terribly distressed by my lack of respect and sloppiness. One said that she was so upset by my irreverence that she will never come to another mass at which I preside. I was very tempted to ask if I could count on that as a promise. <laughs> but I didn't. And so I asked them, ladies, are you honestly telling me that my admitted failure to light the altar candles actually blocked the Holy Spirit from using the words of our Lord and Savior to transform the bread and wine into his body and blood to nourish us? Can you really tell me that Jesus, the light of the world, could not be present because I forgot to light the altar candles? Really? Well, they didn't know what to say other than return to the fact that I should have lit the altar candles. There are people that are like that. One Saturday afternoon, I received a phone call from some, some gentleman, I don't know where from, and he was very, um, oh, let's just say a little angry. He said, Father, do you say a true mass? I said, I don't know what that means. And he clarified by saying, well, do you celebrate the true mass, the Trinitine mass in Latin? And I said, no, sir, I don't. Now, but I had long since learned, never argue with fanatics or wackerdoodles. And so he said, well, where is a true mass celebrated in Wyoming? Apparently his coming to our state was contingent upon finding a place that the true mass was celebrated and I said, well, sir, the only parish that I'm pretty sure offers that form of mass is in Powell with Father Vernon Clark. 
I think on Sunday evening, and possibly the chaplain of the Wyoming Catholic College in Lander, but I really wasn't sure, but I can get you the phone numbers of those places and you can call and find out. And he said, well, at least there are two holy priests in Wyoming and hung up the phone. There are people that are like that. The task of true religion and its vehicles, the traditions, the prayers, the gestures, the rituals have one purpose, the transformation of the human soul to become all that God created us to be and to use that transformation in the service of others. This is why the Lord is so adamant that mere external observances or the lack of them do not make one righteous or sinful. What matters is the spiritual struggle that we engage in to deal with the uncleanliness within each of us. It is when we allow, when we welcome, when we entertain the filth from within and allow it to express itself, we render ourselves unclean. When the evil and the chaos within us are not honestly confronted, acknowledged, when they're not brought to the Lord for healing, when one's relationship with Jesus ceases to be first and foremost in one's life, then the evil within grows, festers. And when it's expressed, it does great damage to us and to others. No sin is private. All sin is public. This is what corrupts us. The Mass, indeed all the liturgical actions of the Church, are the Lord's gifts. They are bridges, so to speak, that help us to encounter the living Christ in our midst, so that we can confront the evil that lies within us and continue the journey of becoming all that we were created to be.